Welcome to Tax and Super Australia's podcast, Tax Wrap, where we share developments, news and insights for all tax practitioners and SMSF professionals. If you like what you hear, please rate us on iTunes and share. We'd love to hear back from you, so send questions and comments, even suggestions for guest speakers, to podcast at taxandsuperaustralia.com.au. Hello and welcome to the Tax Wrap Podcast, episode 187. I'm your host, Steve Burnham. Um, now, today uh, I thought we'd, we'd look at uh, globalisation. Well, not really. Uh, it's a more globalised world, um, and uh, many individuals are taking up the opportunities to come and uh, live and work in Australia, um, whether temporary or permanent. Their time in Australia can have significant tax implications. Um, uh, now, I'd just like to refer people, uh, listeners, back to podcast 180, where we spoke to Mark Pizzicala uh, from the Board of Taxation. Mark talked about uh, the Board of Taxation's review into the residency tests. But for today, um, I thought I'd bring in another expert, Simon Dorovich, who's the Manager of Corporate and International Tax at A&A Tax Legal Consulting. Now, Simon knows all about these things, and uh, he's here to talk about uh, residency and uh, the outcomes and implications of being a resident or non-resident. Now, Simon, you've... um, just written a, an article for the Taxpayer magazine of ours uh, about uh, when someone leaves Australia and, go and goes to another country and uh, the tax implications of that. I suppose a big part of that would be determining if they are resident for tax purposes or not. Uh, could you go over the, the basics? Uh, absolutely, Steve. Mm. Uh, I'd be happy to. Yep. Uh, and you're, you're definitely right that uh, probably the the most important uh, one of the the first very first things to consider is uh, does the individual remain a resident of Australia for tax purposes yeah, or yep. uh, are they are they ceasing their their residency right. uh, and in fact there was uh, just recently a, a full federal court decision right a uh, case by the name of uh, Harding uh, Glenn Harding was okay. an Australian who uh, uh, moved overseas. At issue in that case was whether or not he was still an Australian tax resident in right. the 2011 income year. Uh, and I thought perhaps we could look at the uh, the four tests of, of residency. Yep. There's the uh, the ordinary resides test, the domicile test, the 183 day test, and the superannuation test. Right. Uh, the last two of those are not particularly relevant to. Uh, to Harding or, or generally speaking to most taxpayers right. who are departing Australia. But but the first two of those tests... The resides test, what was the other one? The and the domicile, domicile. test. Okay, yep. Uh, so the resides test uh, says asks, does the individual reside in Australia uh, within the ordinary meaning of the word? Yeah, so it seems kind of plain and, and you know, you either yeah. are or you're not. But uh, tell me, there are always twists to tax law. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and... Uh, it's, so resides isn't defined in in the tax acts, but so it takes on its its dictionary meaning and right. as it's been interpreted by the courts over the years. Yep. Uh, and the the domicile test says that you're a resident if your domicile is in Australia, unless the ATO is satisfied that their that your permanent place of abode is outside of Australia. Okay. Yeah. So perhaps we can look at those two tests. Uh, through the lens of this uh, recent uh, full federal Harding court case? decision yeah. of, of Harding. It has a lot of rele- relevance to those, does it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. It's, it's, a, it's quite an unusual case, quite an interesting one. Oh. Uh, maybe I'll just give you a bit of uh, bit of background. Yes, please. Uh, obviously, I'll, I'm summarising here, and perhaps some would say I'm 
you know, selectively including oh. or excluding certain facts, but... It's all know, for he, the purposes of illustration, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, so, so uh, Mr Harding, Mr Glenn Harding, uh, he was Australian citizen, born in Australia in 1965. Uh, he left Australia at quite a young age. Uh, he married his first wife in the UK in... 1990, yep. uh, and soon after that they, they moved to work, live and work in Saudi Arabia. Right. Uh, they were there for quite some time, but after the September 21, 2001 uh, attacks, the the situation in uh, in the region got a, got a bit dicey. Oh, there right. was some, um, a bit unsafe for, for Westerners to be living there, they, okay. they felt. Yep. Uh, and so Mrs. They decided that they'd relocate back to Australia. Okay. The intention was that it would that relocation would only be until the security situation in the Middle East Middle East improved. Right. Uh, and then they'd go back to to living in the Middle East. So they didn't come here with the intention of staying one year, two years. It was just until things settled down. E- exactly. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, so so Mrs. Harding actually left first. Uh, they built a house in Queensland. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miss, Mrs. Harding moved there and uh, uh, moved into the house in 2004 with with their children. Yep. Uh, but it wasn't until 2006 that Mr. Harding joined. He he remained in Riyadh for right. those years, and then from 2006 to 2009, uh, he lived in Australia in in the family home in Queensland. The one they'd set up in Queensland, yep. Yep, Yep. that's right. But then in 2009, he accepted a a new job offer to to work in Saudi Arabia. Uh, He actually lived in Bahrain uh, and crossed the border each day to go into to work. Oh, okay. Quite uh, commute. Yeah, well, yeah, I suppose I'm not really that familiar with the geography. Perhaps his just, employment was, yeah. you know, right near the border. Could have been, but uh, yeah. just crossing an international border, it's just uh, yeah, it should take committed. some time. Yeah, yeah, it's not. But uh, uh, I believe it was uh, the living conditions apparently were better ah. in Bahrain, so yep. that's what he chose to do. Uh, so he was living there by himself at first. He moved there in 2009. Mrs. Harding said. I'll stay in Australia with with the kids. Yep. You know, one of their boys was had two years of uh, secondary education to go. So, oh, yeah. you know, it was decided that you know let's let him finish school in Australia. Yeah, yep, yep. And their plan was that you know after two years, and Mrs. Harding would uh, you know come and join join uh, Mr. Harding yeah, would join Mr. Harding. Okay. Right. Uh, so, so Mr. Harding, he sold, he took his clothes and his personal belongings. Uh, he sold all his possessions, well, all his significant possessions. Right. Uh, you know, like for his, his boat and his car, for example. Oh, yeah. uh, he did, of course, retain joint ownership of that uh, family home in Queensland yep. with his wife because yep. his his wife and his kids continued to live there. But other than that, he sort of. Yeah, you know, sold everything, yep. took everything that he wanted to take, yep. moved to uh, Bahrain. Mobile. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, and uh, so we ended up living in Bahrain and working in Saudi Arabia from March two thousand and nine to February two thousand and fifteen. Right. Okay. Uh, and at that stage, he moved to Oman. Uh, so whilst he was in Bahrain, he he lived in this uh, apartment complex called uh, Classic Towers. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and so during that time, he he would move from one unit to another occasionally as his circumstances changed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but always within that apartment complex. Right. Okay. So so originally he bought a two bedroom place because he thought 
uh, Mrs. Harding will will join. Oh, occasionally me. drop in, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, occasionally drop in, yep, yep. and uh, also eventually move eventually here. Move, and, yeah. and at that point in time, the intention was to then go look for a for a house, a, a, an even larger, yep. more permanent accommodation. But yeah, it would at least do in the interim whilst they. They looked. Sure. He enrolled his son in a local school. He bought a car for his wife that, mm. so you know, she would have something when yep. she, she finally moved. So it was all on track to get to the outcome that they imagined? Yep. 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 Okay. Uh, but alas, uh, things didn't work out for, uh, for Mr. and Mrs. Harding. Oh. And, um, After uh, all that planning. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, eventually became apparent uh, around 2011, yep. the... Uh, the you know the year in dispute, mm. you know that she wouldn't be moving to uh, to join him in right. Bahrain, okay. and that their their marriage had uh, broken down. Right. Um, well, that's a, that's a long. It's a long. It's not complicated, but it's a set of circumstances that are very particular. Mm. What was the? I'm sorry, you, you might be getting to it. I was going to say, what was the tax situation that led to the court um, having to make a decision? Uh, well, so the tax situation was he lodged his 2011. Australian tax return stating that he was a non-resident. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and the ATO disputed that. They said, ah. "No, we think you were, you were you were a tax resident." Okay. Uh, the the federal court agreed with the ATO. Uh, so that was a, you know the one judge of the federal court right. agreed with the ATO. Yep. Uh, then he, I think that was around June of last year, uh, and then just in the last fortnight or so, uh, the. The full federal court, so three ju- three judges yep. of the federal court, overruled the uh, that decision and said, "We agree with you, Mr. Harding. You you weren't a tax resident." Okay, yeah, um, really. Uh, and obviously that that affects you know what uh, what income his uh, primarily of most relevance, of course, is his salary yep. in you know from work in Saudi Arabia, right? Uh, whether Australia gets to to tax that salary. Because the, the situation is you're taxed on it on worldwide income if you're an Australian resident. Absolutely and, right. And only on, well, if you're not resident, just on income that that you earn here. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I broad, bro- yeah, broadly. broadly speaking. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay, so that's interesting. So it was decided against Mr Harding and then only recently, so only a fortnight ago, you say? Uh, yeah, that's right, that approximately. Oh, I yeah. don't recall the, the exact date. Mm. The ATO, uh, the ATO's position was that Mr. Harding was a resident, both under the ordinary resides test yep. and under the domicile test. Yep. For the resides test, the, both the original judge and the the uh, uh, judge uh, judges under the, for the appeal case yep. uh, disagreed with the ATO for the resides test, but right. they said it wasn't a. Uh, uh, yeah, an unreasonable argument that okay. the ATO is putting forward. Yep. Uh, but it's the domicile test that uh, where the court you know, changed its mind. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's um, where you, you you put your head on a pillow. So I mean, obviously that pillow was in Bahrain, not in um, Queensland. Uh, but I'm no legal person, so um, if that makes a difference or not. Uh, yeah. Well, it ca- comes down a lot to uh, you know what do they mean by. Uh, abode. What? What's? How broadly or narrowly do you, uh, should it be right. defined? I might just uh, just add a, f- a few more 
background facts. facts. Sorry, yes, I, I did Before we interrupt. move on sorry. to the... Uh, so we're uh, at 2000... Discuss... Yep, yep. 2011 and the... Uh... Uh, so, yeah. So, unfortunately, his, his marriage broke down. Yep. He uh, moved into a, a single-bedroom apartment. Later on, he moved back into a two-bedroom apartment. Right. He'd formed a new relationship. Uh, each time he moved, uh, yeah, he could do so pretty easily with not a lot of notice needed to be given. Basically, he... All his belongings could fit in a few suitcases. He okay. you know, wheeled them down the corridor to the lift, <laughs> okay. went up or down, whatever, whatever the, yeah, the yep. case may be. Yep. You know, opened the door to his his new apartment, right. and that was about it, really. Uh, they came fully furnished. Uh, they weren't serviced, but they, he was sort of able to arrange for you know cleaners to come in oh, yeah. you know through the the complex would arrange that for him yep. so it was sort of in many cases uh temporary you know in the sense of you know very little of it he couldn't you know hang up pit- pictures or oh, you know, yeah, make okay. any changes without it was more the permission of the la- yeah, yeah. It, was, it was the nature of the accommodation was very short term right and it was also intended to be short term because it was you know the the it's, intention was Yep. Well, you know, we'll find something. It suited know. the circumstances. Yeah. Exactly right. Okay. So with that in mind, yeah, perhaps we'll talk first about the residency, so the resides test. That's the first one. Yep, okay. Yeah. Yep. So, so as I said, that, that just goes to the, the dictionary definition. Right. There's a, there's a tax ruling and they the ATO quotes the, uh, the Oxford Dictionary that says, to reside is to dwell permanently or for a considerable time, to have one settled or usual place of abode, right. to live in or at a particular pace. So obviously they were relying on the Queensland House to, to tick that box. Yeah, okay. yeah. So so the ATO was saying, look, you've got your family, your wife and kids are in Australia. Yep. Uh, and in most cases, that's a very, very strong factor yeah, pointing towards so. residency. Yeah. Uh, Ms Harding's... Uh, Seems like a bit of an unusual guy. He <laughs> he was uh, very very adamant that yeah he was committed to living and working in the Middle East. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nothing was going to stop him from yeah. Yeah, that. just and, just in case Mr. Harding's listening, we think that's quite usual and, and yeah. that's fine. You're not unusual at all. Uh, anyway, okay, I yeah. know what you mean. Uh, yeah, and so you know, if his wife and kids didn't want to join him, then yeah. all right, you know, they might not like the weather, whatever. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that wouldn't change his opinion. He okay. was, you know, he was quite uh, very keen on on living and working. So, so in his case, the presence of family was, you know, less mm, important than true. perhaps it is for others. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, he had, he owned a home in Australia. That's another factor right. pointing yep. towards residency. Uh, he. Uh, had a, a Medicare account, an Australian private oh, health insurance account, yeah, okay. Queensland driver's license, Australian superannuation account. Ah. You know, all these factors, the ATO was saying, you know, these point towards uh, being a, a resident mm, of Australia. Mm, yeah. uh, in, in their guidance, the ATO uh, gives some factors that they consider to be relevant. Oh, yeah. Yep. You know, they talk about the intentional purpose of presence in a particular location. Uh, your family and business slash employment ties, yep. uh, the maintenance and location of assets, uh, and your social uh, and living arrangements. Right. Uh, and the the judges said, you know, it's, it's not an unreasonable argument that you say Mr Harding's a, a resident mm. under that test, but in this particular case, you know, having regard to, you know, Mr Harding's intention and commitment to... 
uh, you know, to not return to Australia. Yeah. He did he did have trips to Australia during that time, but they describe it as, you know, the purpose of those trips was you know, to visit his family and yeah. to try to convince his wife that uh, she should join oh, him in the, in the yeah, Middle East. True. So uh, even on his return visits to Australia, he you know, really demonstrated a, a commitment to making... To being somewhere else. You know, yeah, to yeah. making Bahrain his home. Right, and, right. Uh, and they said, you know, in this case, we think that, you know, Mr Harding was not a resident uh, under that particular... Uh, what, that first of the four tests. Yeah, yes, I see. But the domicile test said something something else to, so, to yes. the judges? So the domicile test... Uh, and, and just to repeat myself, that, that test says if your domicile is in Australia, mm. uh, then you're a resident unless the ATO is satisfied that your permanent place of abode is outside of Australia. Right. So, that, so there's two terms there that you, know, you, may, you may not have uh, come across uh, uh, regularly. Yeah, domicile. not in everyday, everyday discussions. Domicile, yep. Yeah, domicile and permanent place of abode. Place of abode. So, yeah. so domicile... Uh, it's a bit of a, an old-fashioned legal concept, yeah, isn't it? Uh, so it, it refers to uh, a permanent a person's sorry permanent home. Uh, apparently, uh, an individual acquires the domicile of origin at their birth, uh, which is uh, generally the country of their father's permanent home. Right. But then they can they can acquire a new domicile, a, a domicile of choice. Uh, in another country by demonstrating that their intention is to make their home in that other country. So, for example, you know, by uh, obtaining the right kind of visa for, oh, yep, for that, yep, for that yep. country. Okay. And so if a person has an Australian domicile and but are living outside of Australia, they'll retain that domicile if they intend to return to Australia on a clearly foreseen or reasonably anticipated contingency. Right. For example, at the end of their employment contract, you know, oh, they yeah, think okay. they'll, you know, they'll return to Australia then, mm. whenever that you know, may be. Yep. So domicile wasn't really uh, a question in this case because Mr Harding said, all right, I concede I have an Australian domicile. Uh, so the ATO was happy there. You know what the court, where the disagreement was, yeah, yeah, yeah. is did he have a permanent place of abode uh, in Bahrain? Right. Yeah. So what? Are, so permanent. Uh, there's a ATO ruling on it. Um, IT two six five zero. Two six five zero. Okay. It's uh, Applegate. I, th- I I believe uh, is the the key case in in this area okay. that the the ruling uh, refers to. Permanent doesn't mean forever. Uh, so you can live overseas, uh, intend that you'll return to Australia uh, in the future. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You don't have to be fully committed to never setting foot back in the country no, again no. for the rest of your life. Uh, it's meant to be contrasted with with temporary. Okay. Right. Uh, but it could be, it could be like next month, next year, in ten years' time. Yeah. Well, un, un, next month is. Uh, very unlikely to uh, oh. to well, you know, yeah, be yeah, permanent, but yeah, yeah it do- doesn't have to be. Yeah. It's all got to do with intention for the rest right? of your natural life. You keep hearing intention in talks yeah. about tax matters. So yeah, I'm, that I is, goes that is that. very important. Okay. Uh, so then, what what's a, a place of abode? Uh, and this gets now we're getting really to the 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 crux of right. the the decision. Yeah. The the original judge uh, said that. 
the his accommodation in um, uh, what was it? Classic Towers. Oh yeah. That's his his abode. Uh, yeah. His place of abode. You know, abode is a is a is a residence. You know, a, yeah. an apartment or a or a house or so, something like Where that. Where you live? Yeah, yeah. You know, he said, the judge said, well, this isn't that wasn't permanent. He he didn't he intended it to be short term. It's mm. set up to for it to be short term. Yeah, you yeah. Know, for all the reasons I you know, well, talked he, yeah. about before. Moved his suitcases upstairs, downstairs, like you were saying. Yeah, but still, uh, yeah. and therefore. Uh, he didn't have a permanent place of abode. Uh, so, you know, people read that decision and a lot of people were quite surprised, but the the advice was, well, be very, very careful if you're moving into a, a serviced, you know, furnished uh, apartment overseas. Oh, yeah. And and I can, you know, understand where the, the judge was coming from in that regard yeah, because, yeah. you know, the ATO's own, own guidance uh, in uh, IT 2650 again... They write, the expression place of abode refers to a person's residence, where one, where one lives with one's family and sleeps at night. In essence, a person's place of abode is that person's dwelling place or the physical surroundings in which a person lives. Hmm. So I, I, you know, I could read that and think that, you know, it's not unreasonable to think of the apartment as his place of abode. Yeah, yeah. But the, the three judges of the... Full federal court, yep. they constructed the phrase permanent place of abode as a reference uh, to uh, to Bahrain as a whole. They, they said that oh. that a, a town or a country can be a place of abode. Yes, I see. Yeah, Mr Harding's connection with with uh, Bahrain mm. as a whole or you know whatever town it was in Bahrain he was living in more yeah, specifically... Yeah. Yep. Uh, was a, a much more permanent connection. Yeah, yeah. So the sort of factors that the ATO says you should look at... I, I, yeah. I just had sorry, a thought. So, no, yeah, I, no, thought. I don't know why I thought this, but um, maybe because a friend of mine has just bought a caravan. <laughs> I'm thinking of the grey nomads. Now, if someone goes overseas and in their caravan and they, they're in a country for, say, a year, um, travelling around, they might do odd bits of work, you would think that their place of abode would be wherever they are, Belgium, so, you know, anywhere... Um, I wonder if that would be would be uh, brought in with that full federal court's um, uh, d- decision saying a place of abode can be a country, not just a street address. Um, you'd imagine that might be a factor in, in some case in the future? I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I think before this uh, recent decision, uh, yeah, my original you know, first thought would have been, uh, no, I th- you know, the, if they haven't sort of laid down roots in any you know, one city or yeah. you know, area uh, then you know perhaps they don't have a permanent place of abode but now it, it seems that uh, you know if they stay within at least the one country yeah, yeah. Uh, then um, perhaps they do they might have an argument yeah yeah so what what difference then Simon I mean you know you you know about these things what difference does it make to say listeners out there who might have clients in uh, who are moving to another country? Um, they must, of course, establish residency first up. That's got to be their, their prime uh, effort. Um, does it change anything, in your opinion, about uh, what, how residency is defined and, and what one can rely on? I think the most obvious area that it changes is the, the domicile test and looking at what sort of accommodation uh, the, the taxpayer has overseas. Yep. Uh, and and how significant that 
that factor is. Okay. Uh, so uh, you, under this new interpretation, it's uh, it's easier to become a, a non-resident. Uh, okay. And of course that leads to uh, you know, a number of different tax issues that yeah, yeah. you need to consider as, as an uh, advisor or, or as you know, the individual who's... Who's, who's yeah. making the move? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, especially, uh, I mean, with the, what was it? Um, owning property for non-residents. I mean, that's that's the big thing change, isn't it? Uh, that this may have an influence on. You know, what was it? Yeah. Could do with capital gains. That's right. Um, non-residents lose the. Uh, well, that's a, a very very timely. Uh, at the moment, the the government. The, their policy is to remove the principal place of residence That's or right. you know main residence exemption for, for capital gains. For, yeah, for capital gains tax purposes right. for for non-residents, uh, but as we record, that still hasn't actually passed That's parliament right. and yep. <laughs> and become law. Uh, even though if it does, then uh, the, um, the 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 grace period, the uh, you know the Oh yeah, the, when it kicks the, in, the, the window until it yep. uh, you know, kicks in, yep. uh, isn't you know is only until the first of July uh, this year. This year, right, so right. Uh, uh, so if it does come in, and you know I've got a, a client in in this situation, the mm. you know, hopefully we'll get some um, you know some certainty about that soon because yep. if if they uh, they decide to sell whilst they still can access the main residence exemption, mm. then uh, they're yeah, running out yeah. of time. To do it. To do it. But uh, from what you're saying with the Harding case, as you said, made the comment before, it's easier to become a non-resident yeah. in the light of that decision. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. So so uh, as you mentioned, uh, I wrote an article for the, the taxpayer about you know, different things to think about yep, uh, right. for people that uh, you know, move overseas. You know, I, I wrote about uh, uh, withholding taxes and taxation of employee share schemes. That's and, right. Yeah, what what if you've got a self-managed super fund or a help debt or oh, yeah, yeah. You know, so on? Actually, there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot to it, isn't there? Yeah, a lot there, to there, it. there's a lot to it. Yeah. So uh, you know, I, I do encourage listeners That's to right. check out the article. Get out the taxpayer magazine. Uh, but um, I thought perhaps today let's just focus on you know one of the issues that I I wrote about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's something called uh, CGT event I one. I one okay. You'll have to remind me what that is. <laughs> so, so that says uh, when Australian resident becomes a non-resident, yep. they are deemed to have disposed of their non-taxable Australian property. Ah, yeah. Okay. Uh, for the for market value, uh, and so if the market value is, uh, yeah, as as of the date they they terminate terminate their residency. Yeah, yeah. If that is higher than the cost base of those that asset, yeah, yeah. Uh, they've made a capital gain, right? Uh, and you know, pay pay tax on that capital gain. Mm. Mr. Harding, I think, had some uh, IWOF shares. I think it was okay. Yeah, uh, and that is uh, most likely a, a non-taxable Australian property asset. So, so taxable Australian property is it's land and buildings situated in Australia. Yep. So, so his Queensland property, that's clearly taxable Australian property. You know, residents and non-residents alike will be taxed in Australia on the disposal of, of that property. Right. So there's no, no need to tax it at the point of changing residence because even, you know, if Mr Harding sold it as a non-resident... 
you still has to pay Australian tax on, on that property because right. it's land and buildings okay. situated in Australia. Yep. So it's all right from that perspective. The next category is an indirect Australian real property interest. So that's... Like a unit uh, trust or something like that? Yeah, or? like a, you know, shares or units okay. in a unit trust. Uh, if the, the company or the trust, if a majority of the market value of the underlying assets relates to land and buildings uh, situated in Australia, yep. and you have uh, a non-portfolio interest, so that's an interest of 10% or more, mm-hmm. then that is also taxable Australian property. So that's just, you know, if, if owning uh, land and buildings in Australia yep. is taxable Australian property, you know, setting up a company, the company buying the, you know, the, uh, the, the pr- that same same asset, yep. and you owning 100% of the shares, yep. well, that should have the same result as well. That's Even right. though the asset, is, you know, your asset is shares, yep. uh, it's still the underlying asset. One step assets. away is Ex- the, uh, the it, land and building, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so Mr. Harding's IOOF shares, uh, I'm assuming his interest is less than 10%. Mm. Uh, yeah, you would, you would think so. You'd think so. IOOF is a big thing. You would, if you own yeah. 10% of that, it's uh, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, but exactly anyway. right. And, and I suspect a majority of their assets is also not land and buildings situated in Australia. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so on both those... Uh, counts you, you only need to fail one of them, but right. in the, yeah, Mr. Harding case probably both of them. Uh, he's failed, so those shares are non-taxable Australian property. Okay. Yep. At the point in time that he became a non-resident, mm-hmm. this CGT event uh, I one uh, says you're, you're deemed to have disposed it. If the value's gone up since you've acquired it, yep. uh, pay tax on on that profit. Which can be a bit of a, a nasty uh, shock to uh, you know to yeah, taxpayers yeah. who move overseas because they haven't actually sold the property oh, no, uh, or the 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 shares uh, you know or whatever the uh, the asset is. So they haven't actually got anything from selling it, but they're deemed to have disposed. Therefore, here's the capital gain. Pay tax, please. E- exactly wow. right, and you know, <laughs> finding the money to do so might be might be a bit well, yeah, difficult. Yeah. So the. Be- in you know, recognition of that, the, the law has uh, a, a bit of a get-out-of-jail, oh, uh, I won't say free, but a, no. <laughs> a get-out-of-jail temporary, okay. temporarily card. Yeah. Uh, and that's saying you can make an election to say, I'm going to treat that asset that's not taxable Australian property as if it were taxable Australian property. Right. And so I won't have oh. to pay any tax now. Yeah, I see. But when I do sell it, I'll pay tax on it then. Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, so it is, it is kind of deferring the taxing point. Um, it'll be at the same rate, I'd, I'd imagine, too. Just at marginal rates? or uh, At marginal rates. Right. But mm. the thing to keep in mind is that, you know, the, the general CGT discount, oh, uh, yeah. you know, 50% at the moment, yep. maybe 25%, uh, <laughs> you know, once... Soon, in yeah, a few soon. months, whatever. That's, uh, you know, broadly speaking, available to residents, but... You're no longer for non-residents, yes. or at least not a you know potentially not a full fifty percent. Yep, yep. Uh, and so, by deferring the the tax payable, uh, yeah, uh, the uh, the resident who becomes a non-resident, yep. uh, is potentially 
you know, giving themselves an even greater <laughs> tax bill in the future. You're deferring pain, yeah, I see. Yeah, oh, uh, and of course it may continue to go up in value. So the the Between profit, now and if then. the profit you mm. make is uh, yeah. is greater, then obviously the the oh. tax as well will will be yep. greater. Yep. Oh gosh. Yeah. So it's definitely something to to keep in mind. Yep. You know whether or not you make that that decision. Uh, there's no right or wrong answer, really. You yeah, just, yeah. you know, you need to think about, you know, what do you expect the asset to do in the future? Yeah. What do you think your taxable income will be in the future? Because after all, you know, marginal tax rates depend on what tax bracket you're in. Yep. yep, yep. Uh, you know, the tax brackets and tax rates themselves, uh, you know, may change in the future. That's true. You know, whether how important it is for you to defer tax how will yeah can you fund the taxable at the moment all these different things to consider yep but it yeah it is important to be aware that that's uh you know one of the the things to that you might be up for if you move overseas and become a non-resident yeah that's right and that's uh like i said there's a lot there's a lot more to it and you'd mentioned superannuation before and and um you know the employee share schemes all the other things and that's all in your article that's in the taxpayer at present uh, yes, Some? that's okay. right. Yeah. And now, I know you were discussing with uh, Laura, our managing editor, about um, that's for people going overseas, about people coming to Australia, and that's another whole kettle of fish, and I believe you're um, planning a, an article on that topic in the, in the future, in the near future? Yes, that's right. right. Uh, you know, the, the two topics I thought that go yep. well with each other, uh, you know, I wrote an article about taxpayers going overseas, and I, I thought, well, what, what about taxpayers who come to Australia, oh, you know, a yeah. globalised, you know, workforce. A yep. lot of people are, uh, you know, moving from overseas, whether yep. it's, you know, forever or for, <laughs> a, you know, a few years. If they're living and working in Australia, what sort of tax issues might they face? And they can make a big, a big difference to the final outcome, it seems. Yeah, yeah. And, and ANA has written, um, actually, uh, some, some, some guides for both those situations. Oh, that great, go okay. Into, uh, even more detail than the uh, than the articles oh, for right. Tax and Super, and, and, our, and, and, and so members able to get a hold uh, of that. Yeah, I was just going to say that's you know something that we're happy to make available oh, to to members. Oh, thank you. Um, how, how yeah, and they that? can um, reach out to me, I think, via or, or to you. Oh, actually, uh, via, if, if you're interested in those on publications, maybe email podcast at taxandsuperaustralia dot com dot au. Address it to me, and I'll pass them all on to Simon, who will uh, pass on the uh, you know. Yeah, that'd be great. Pass on the, uh, the brochures, that'd be fantastic. All right, Simon, look, thanks very much. It, uh, it was fascinating to hear about Mr Harding to start with, <laughs> but then to, on top of that, all the ramifications and the outcomes that can come out of being a resident or non-resident is just um, stunning, actually, uh, and all the ramifications for tax. And I look forward to the next article that you're writing, and we'll hopefully come back and do another podcast on, on some matters out of that, if you don't mind. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to be on, Steve. Fantastic. All right, thanks, Simon. Thanks, uh, Steve. Listeners, please tune in again next time.